Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week seven of our current series, Frequency. And the title of today's message is God Wants You to Know. We hope you enjoy the word. Amen. Good morning. Go ahead and give somebody a high five. Tell them, I am glad you are here. Now tell somebody else, I'm glad you're here. Boy, I sure hope you guys mean that. (laughs) All right. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here at Church at the Bridge. And we are so blessed that you would choose to come here this morning and to listen to the word of God and to, you know, get to know us and be a part of all that God is doing here. Over the last several weeks, we've been on a series entitled Frequency. We've been talking about how to hear God's voice how to recognize God's voice, how to know when God is speaking to you. I don't know about you, but if God is speaking to me, I sure want to know about it. If God creator of all the universe, God in heaven who loves you and has called you and has good purpose for you, if he's speaking to you, I sure hope that you're just like me, that you want to hear his voice. So I want to encourage you, go back and listen to the series. It's all available for you guys. There's many ways, as you heard. Um, But today... Uh, We're going to be digging in uh, and building upon the foundation that we've had over the last several weeks. Just as a a means of recap, I want to remind you that whether you know it or not, God has always been saying something to you. Now, for some of you, I just heard you say, really? How come I didn't hear it? And I want to ask you a question. Have you truly positioned yourself? Have you aligned yourself to such an extent that you can actually hear what God has to say for you, to to you. Listen to what I'm saying. Psalm 19 verses one through four says this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. So what we're seeing here is that God is saying something. He's proclaiming something. He's displaying something about how he works, what he's doing. Verse two says that day after day, these works of his continue to speak Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and and their words to all the world. The truth is this, that God is speaking to everyone. But the question is, are we listening? Are we listening? And so John chapter 10, verse 4, these are the words of Jesus. He says, when he has brought out all his own, referring to himself as a shepherd in relation to his people, his sheep. It says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Listen clearly to this. Let's consider this. Jesus says, my sheep follow me, but watch why they can follow him. Because they know his voice. If you want to go where God is leading you, if you want to know where God is taking you, if you want to tap into the wisdom of God, understand that according to the words of Jesus, there is something that has to happen. We have to become familiar with his words. We have to become familiar with his voice. We have to become familiar with his ways. You cannot go where you have not gone first with God. Some of you just missed that. Write that down. Meditate on that. And so the closer you draw to God, the more distinct his voice and his leading will become to you. 
Without an ear attuned to God, you cannot follow him and discover the good that he has for you. And so today I want to talk to you on the topic, God wants you to know. God wants you to know. Now, I just heard some of you think this. Man, this pastor's weird. He actually hears people thinking. Because I thought it too. What is it that God wants me to know? Think about communication in its simplest form. There's a reason for it. Do you speak for no reason? No, when you speak, when you communicate, you're trying to convey something to someone that you want them to understand. You don't want them to just hear your words audibly. You want them to listen to the content, to the heart behind what you're saying. When you and I communicate, the reason why we speak is because at whatever level, it holds some importance. It also holds meaning for the person on the receiving end. We deem it necessary to say something because we hope that they'll receive what we're saying. In other words, there's something that you want them to know. Now, in like manner, God has been speaking, is speaking, and will always speak to you because there's something that he wants you to know. There's something that God wants you to know. Let me give you an example of what I mean. You ever play that game, the telephone game? You ever play that game? Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. Come on now. The telephone game is ancient. So, so whether you're young or old, you've been there. You've played it. You've heard about it. Some of you still don't get it. All right, anyway. Well, look, the telephone game, have you ever wondered, for those of you that remember it, right? Have you ever wondered why the message is never the same at the opposite end? How come it's never the same? There's a couple of reasons, but I'll just give you two. The people hearing what is said are more busy interpreting what they're hearing than listening to what's said. I want you to think about that. That's how we, by and large, listen. You hear what someone says, and you interpret what it means to you. You filter it through your capacity to listen. Sometimes that has something to do with who's speaking. Sometimes that has something to do with what you're prioritizing. But at any level and every level, We're all interpreting what we're hearing. And unfortunately, that changes what we receive sometimes, many times. The second reason why the telephone game always ends up wrong is because people are paying more attention to repeating what they hear than to listening to what is said. Isn't it true that in Christian circles, that's what we do? We're not careful? We got to be careful with this. We're so intent on repeating what we've heard that we're not listening to the one speaking. We're not considering what has been said. And so the truth is that the goal in listening to God should be for you and me. The goal is to know what he wants you to know, to understand, to adhere to, to intake, to participate to cooperate with all that God is saying to you and I, because it's all good. It's all good. And so what does God want you to know? I'm reminded of a man by the name of Nicodemus. We're going to be turning very uh, quickly to John chapter 3, but I'm reminded of the story of a man named Nicodemus. And this guy Nicodemus had his stuff together, or so it would seem. This guy, Nicodemus, was a religious leader. 
He was of the ruling party, so to speak, of the Jewish council. In other words, this guy knew his stuff. And he has this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus is speaking to him. And it becomes evident very quickly that he is not understanding. He's not listening to the words of Jesus. He's hearing, but he's not listening. And the truth is that while everyone in the Jewish culture and society esteemed him as one who knew of God, could teach from God, and speak, quote-unquote, on the behalf of God, what we find is that when he encounters Jesus, he doesn't know God. The question is, why? And so turn with me to John chapter 3, verses, and we're going to read verses 1 through 21. Starting at verse 1, it says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, in other words, teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? You know what Nicodemus is saying there? He's saying, how can I go backwards? How can I change what's what's already done? How can I undo what I've already done? How can that happen? And so he says, how can someone be born when they are old? And Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, in other words, never mind what you think it's true. This is the truth. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. For more clarification on that, you can go to the book of Ezekiel. I believe it's uh, chapter 36, where it talks about being born of water. And literally what it's talking about is a change of heart. It's talking about being washed over by the truth. And so this is not talking about water baptism, just so you know. And so he says, uh, uh, you must be born of water and the spirit. And he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, you can't see it, but you feel it, and you know it to be true. Nicodemus says, how can this be? Watch Jesus' response. He says, you're Israel's teacher? He says, you're the one teaching my people? And Jesus says to him, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. In other words, me. That's what Jesus is saying. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So there's a lot going on there. But I just want to quickly point out a few things about this encounter. He's speaking to God, and he doesn't know it. He's teaching about the guy that's standing in front of him, and he doesn't know it. And Jesus says, wait, you don't get this plain thing that I'm telling you, and yet you're the one teaching people? And so what I want us to see is that there was a hearing problem there. There was an inability to listen to God in a person. How many of you, if Jesus showed up in front of you, would go, whatever you got to say, I'm willing to listen. Can I tell you something? It happened to Nicodemus and he missed it. He missed it. You know why I share that with you? Because Jesus has been speaking to you and I every day. And we miss it sometimes. We miss it. It's not a put down. It's just a reality, ladies and gentlemen. We miss it. And so I want you to notice a couple of things as we, you know, lifting off from this point is that this, that listening to God starts with a change of heart. Nicodemus comes to Jesus with his filter. He says, watch this. He says, we know, he says, teacher, we know that you have been sent to us by God. Because no one could do the marvelous things that you're doing unless he was sent by God. But watch what he calls Jesus, teacher. He doesn't recognize him as a son of God. And his filter is the law by which he lived. The religion by which he approached God. And so here God is speaking to him directly and he can't receive anything he has to say because a change of heart hasn't happened. As we saw, Jesus said to him, brother, you need to be born completely again. You need, to, you need a complete change. And when Jesus says to him, you must be born of the water and the spirit, he's saying, there needs to be a change right here in your heart. Something has to change. And so his filter was his teaching. But Jesus reveals that change does not happen by head knowledge, but by a change of heart. Thus, he says, what is born of the flesh is limited to the flesh. What, but what is born of the spirit, in other words, when you begin to tap into what I'm saying to you, then you'll experience life on a whole other level. You'll understand my ways. What we also see is that listening to God takes a proper understanding of what Jesus did. Jesus says to him in John 3, 16 and 17, he's literally correcting Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him with an understanding we relate to God by the law. If I just do what the law says, I'll be right with God. 
And Jesus says, no, 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 Nicodemus. You have to understand what I came for. And if you just consider John 3, 16 and 17, what it tells us is this, that God sent his son for the whole world, the entire world. Watch this. Verse 17 tells us that God did not send his son into the world to condemn us, but to save us. Now, here's 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 the truth that we have to grasp here, that what Jesus did was on behalf of the entire world. Sin is not the issue. The issue is this. Not everyone believes that the price was paid for them. Listen closely. Because I know for some of us, we want to get the whole entire world saved. And so we, we beat them with the word. You need to hear this. You need to get this truth. You need to know all these scriptures. Here's what they need to know. God's not condemning you. God's not even mad at you. God loves you just as much as he loves everyone else. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. And so listening to God takes a proper understanding of what Jesus actually has done for us all. And then what we see is this in verse 21. If we could put that up, please. Verse 21, Jesus says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. And if you look at the verses before that, here's what we see. That we all walked in darkness. But what turns on the light is a proper understanding of what God has done for you and I. And when we understand that, watch what we could do. We can live by that truth and come into the light. Now, that's all good news. We're just getting started here. But what I want you to see is this, that Nicodemus had a hearing problem. Nicodemus was missing something. Jesus is literally speaking directly to him. There is no one in between him. He can't say, well, this person said that, and that person said this. You get it? The telephone game, right? He can't blame anyone. He's talking to God directly. And so there are some things that God wants you and I to know, a lot of things. God wants you to know his wisdom as it pertains to all areas of your life, no matter what it is. No matter whether it's good or it's bad, no matter whether it's your present or your future, no matter if it's internally in your family, emotionally, in every other way, spiritually, there's a lot that God wants you to know. But there are four things that you and I need to know in order to be able to listen to God, to actually be able to tap in and position ourselves to hear his voice, to glean his truths. And the first one is that God wants you to know him intimately, intimately. Let me show you what I mean in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. It says, but whatever form of things were gains to me, as I thought then, these things once regarded as advancements in merit, I have come to consider as loss. Absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless a privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For his sake, I have lost everything, and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. So that I may gain Christ. 
Listen, if I were to ask in a room full of people such as this one, what's the greatest thing in life? I can guarantee you as many people as there are here and watching online or anywhere you go, you'd get that many answers from people. Differing answers, differing views, differing opinions. But I want you to see something. This guy, Paul, is talking about what he had and what he now has. And you got to understand that this guy, Paul, was no loser. Paul is remembering and recalling his past. And in his past, according to the study of scriptures, what it tells us is that Paul wasn't just a nobody. Paul actually was at the top of his game. The scriptures, in the scriptures, Paul says that it pertained to the law and religious activity. He was one of the elite. He says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. As a matter of fact, he was so good at it. He says, as it pertains to following the letter of the law, he says, I was blameless. In other words, I was real good at it. There was no one better than me. This guy, Paul, had position of authority. He had backing of the local government. He was respected amongst all. And yet, Paul says here, I had all that. But here's what I know. None of it counts for anything. Watch what he says was most important to him. To continually grow acquainted with knowing Christ. With knowing Christ. Listen, certainly there are many things that contribute to the fullness of life. But according to what we see here, knowing God is the greatest and most important of all. Now, let me just tell you something about knowing God, because for some of us, here's what we tell ourselves. Well, I know God. I know his word. May I just say with all due respect that your brain and mind and your heart and mind is not big enough to contain the knowledge of God. That's why the scripture says that now we know in part, but then we'll know just as we're known by him. In other words, listen, you and I, as much as we pursue God and want to know about God and do religion and go to church and read his word, isn't it any wonder that every time you read the word, you'll read the same scripture and get something different? You know why? Because there's more to know about God. There's more to grow in intimacy with God. You can't stop knowing God. There's more. And so Paul here is reflecting on all this and he's saying, none of what I thought I knew mattered. It doesn't matter in comparison to the advantage that I have, that you have, of knowing and growing to know God more and more. And so listen what the scriptures tell us about knowing God in Ephesians 3.19. This is the will of God. This is what God desires for you and I as it pertains to knowing him. This and there's so much more. It says, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which, sur- which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Listen to me. No matter how much you know God, there's more of him to know. 
And what God literally reveals here is this, that his will is that you and I would overflow constantly in knowing him more and more. But watch this. He says, it's personal. It's personal. It's personal. It's personal. God's not afar from you. He's speaking to you and I daily, personally. And he's saying, I want you to know me completely. See, if you don't know God, how could you hear him? Let me give you an example of that. Some of you, we've met. But I guarantee you, if I started to talk to you and and started to ask you some questions, for some of us, we might feel uncomfortable. You know why? I don't really know you. I'm not interested in you knowing me. You see what I'm saying? See, you can't listen to God and you can't receive anything from God unless you become up close and personal with God. Unless that's the relationship that you have with God. If you're doing fly by night, by the way, that's called religion. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We will not hear the voice of God. We will not know his ways. Now, here's the second thing that's important to know. If you're ever going to listen to God, he wants you to know who you are, who you are. One of the most important revelations that we can get from the word of God next to who God is, is to understand who we are in Christ. Let me put it to you this way. Not knowing who you are in Christ will keep you from receiving any revelation from the word. Not knowing who you are in Christ will keep you from knowing your rights, from living below your rights and privileges that are yours in the kingdom of God, and it will rob you of your confidence in God. So in the Bible, we see examples of men, of people who thought they knew who they were, and then God steps into the picture and he reveals to them who they really are. An example of that is a guy named Abram. This guy, Abram, back in those days, names meant something. They, 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 they were more than just a, a nice name that you chose out of Google or a dictionary or something. Listen, they were names that carried purpose and destiny. And so this guy was born and he was named Abram. And the name Abram means exalted father. In other words, a great father. And so his parents said, this child will be a great father. Right? So every time Abram heard his name, Abram, here's what he understood. I'm a great father. Only problem was he didn't have any children. And so one day this guy comes into, uh, in, in, into an encounter with God himself. And God says to him, Abram, I'm calling you out of where you've been. I'm calling you out of your family's house. I'm calling you to leave everything you know and to a land that I'm going to show you. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless nations through you. And through your seed, you you will be a blessing unto all the nations. And what Abram didn't understand at the time was that through his line would come the solution to the entire world's problem. And so there comes a point where Abram says, look, I know you say that through me, you're going to bless all the nations of the earth. I know through me, you say, my, my, my children will be as the stars in the sky and the sand and the seashore that they, they can't be numbered. But hey, I got no kids. And God says to him, Abram, let me show you something. And after he sees this, he says to him, from this day forward, you will no longer be Abram. Watch what he tells him. He says, from this day forward, your name will be Abraham, 
And here's what he said to him. You will be the father of the nations. Now, why is that important? Because up until that point, Abram could only identify with his situation. And his situation was complex. Exalted father, but I ain't got no kids. Exalted father, but I don't see anything working. Why isn't it happening? So see, not knowing who you are in Christ will keep you living far below your rights and your privileges. Another guy was this guy named Jacob. His name means supplanter. It means deceiver. And so can you imagine being born and being called a deceiver and a supplanter? Let me tell you something. This guy, Jacob, lived up to that name. He lived up to it. He sure did. He was good at it. He was constantly grinding and fighting to get his. While he was born with purpose and destiny of God, he was always scratching to get what was his. But one day he has an encounter with God and God changes his name. And he says, no longer will your identity be a deceiver and a supplanter. From this day forward, your name will be Israel. You know what the name Israel means? It means prince of God or one who rules like God. And so from that day forward, his life changed. He no longer identified with his circumstances. God never intended you and I to identify with what you do, with where you come from, with your circumstances. So if I were to ask you, tell me about yourself. You know what we probably do? We tell you our name. We tell you what we do for an occupation. We tell you where we're from. We tell you our age. Do you realize that none of that has to do with your identity? None of that has to do with your identity. Not one of those things. Listen to Romans 8.27. It says, he who searches the heart's knows the mind of the spirit because I'm sorry, because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. I want you to see something about your identity. See, you might be a lawyer, but that's your job function. You might be a mother, but that's your role in a family. You might be in some trouble, but that doesn't mean that you are troubled. You might be experiencing some bodily affliction, but that does not mean that you are sick. Listen closely to what God says about your identity because your identity comes from who God says you are. He says, he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit, knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercessions for who? Am I in the right church today? I must have missed something. I I must have missed something. I'm going to tell you why because for some of us, here's how we identify. I'm a sinner. And I've been saved by God's grace. Let me ask you a question. Which one is it? Which one is it? Are you a sinner or are you saved? You can't be both. You can't be both. You may have been in sin, but what Jesus did, he did once and for all for the entire world. Sin is not the issue. God's not looking at you and saying, there goes a poor old little sinner. You know what that means? If God still sees you as a sinner, then what that means is that the price wasn't fully paid. I know I just messed with some of your theology. I know for some of you, you're going, this is crazy. Because I know what I do. And I know how I think. The Bible says this, that we know no man after the flesh. We know him after the spirit. 
God sees you for who you are, not where you've been or what you've done. Listen to what Luke 15, 5 and 6 says about you. It says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes on. This is Jesus referring to himself as a shepherd. But watch this. He says, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. You might be, you might feel like you're lost. You might think you're a lost case. But Jesus says, you're not lost. You're found because I went in search of you. You're mine. Nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing can separate you from my reach. John 15, 15, Jesus says this. I no longer call you servants. In other words, you no longer have to relate to me like a slave. You know what slaves do? Excuse me, master. May I? Listen closely. Don't confuse ignorance for humility. Jesus says this. He says, and he says, I no longer call you slaves. Because a slave... A servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Now watch this, friend. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You lack nothing from the father. He is speaking to you always. You're not an enemy. You're a friend of God. Isaiah 53, 11, it says, he shall see it and be satisfied by his knowledge of what he has accomplished. The righteous one, speaking of Jesus, my, my servant shall justify the many. Watch this, making them righteous, upright before God in right standing with him. For he shall bear the responsibility for their sins. You are not unrighteous. There is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. You are not bad uh, bad news. You are not uh, torn in pieces. You are not good for nothing. You are not garbage. He says he's justified you and you are righteous. That's your identity. That's our identity, ladies and gentlemen. You know where we get it twisted? We think that righteousness is something we do. But Jesus here, what it's revealing about Jesus is that what he did made us anew. It made you and I righteous. Righteous. You don't believe me? The scriptures say that he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Watch whose righteousness you are, not yours. God's, you belong to him. You are righteous. Proverbs 10, says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Can I say this to you? You are not poor. You're not poor. I'm going to tell you why I say that. Because for some of us, we don't only believe we're poor. We, we, We act poor. We expect poor. We think poor. You know that, you know that poverty, poor, being poor is not circumstances. Being poor is a lack of understanding. It's a lack of understanding. And what you got to understand is this, that God's desire is that you realize that you're rich. 
that you're richly blessed, that you have rich wisdom, that you have rich purposes, and that God does increase his beloved. That God does love his people. That God actually does provide for you. You are not poor. So don't believe that lie. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. Listen, you are not bipolar. You are not depressive manic. You are not cancerous. You are not whatever diagnosis they can come up with. There is nothing lacking in you. You are not deficient. The scripture says that by his stripes, you were healed. Listen closely. Take the title because it's already been given to you. Now, you don't believe me on this? Because I know some of us, we've done this. And I'm not asking you to tell on yourself. But you'll... coming in today. (laughs) I'm not feeling good. I guarantee you at least one person here has had this experience where you started off with that phone call and you actually had a really, really rough day. Why wear a title that has nothing to do with your identity? Do you know, do you know that there are people This is scientifically proven that you don't even know something has happened in your body. And all of a sudden you go to the doctor and you receive a report. And now that becomes part of your belief system. And all of a sudden, everything that goes against the word of God becomes accelerated in your body. Have you ever stopped to wonder why? It's not part of your identity, but you took it on. You believed it. Don't go there. You're not sick. You're healed. So these are just some examples of what God calls you. It's your choice to identify with them. Something else that we need to know in order to really hear from God. It's that he wants you to know what salvation provides. Let me read something to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received. Anybody get a package this week? Get a package? Right? No? Some, maybe you received the package. Maybe you ordered something. Or you've received the package at some point, right? So watch this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So watch what this is saying. Who you are is not what this world tells you. Who you are is not what you've identified with previously. Watch what we've received. But what what we have received is the spirit that is from God. In other words, it's no longer you inside of you. Paul puts it this way. It's no longer I that lives. It's Christ that now lives in me. The scriptures declare that he who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so God's one with you. So the one who now lives in you is God. But this brain still works. And this brain remembers other things. This brain leads us to believe other things. This brain misdirects us. Now watch this. So now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God 
watch this, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. By God. So watch this. How many of you know Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Go ahead and wave at me. Yeah, you can clap on that. Yeah, yeah, you, you, can, you can rejoice about that. Okay. So, so watch this. You've got the package. But if I were to ask you what comes with the package of salvation, what would you say? What would you say? Because according to the scriptures, and I don't have time to get into all these scriptures, when you feel weak, you forget that you have strength. You forget that. We forget that we have strength. Listen, when your mind is troubled and you're stressed out, don't forget that the package of salvation comes with soundness of mind, that you have no reason to be anxious. Listen, when you're, fit, when you're all up in your emotions, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm just, I'm just having such a bad day. Just leave me alone. You forget that you have joy because the Lord is your joy and it gives you strength to rejoice in all situations. The scriptures say that when you find trouble or when trouble finds you, you know what our response is supposed to be? In the Greek, the book of James, it talks about how when we, when we come into tribulations that we should rejoice. You know what it's literally saying in the Greek? Have a party. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about rejoicing, right? You for, we forget that with the package of salvation comes blessing. Listen, when you feel like, man, I can't or, or I don't have... You forget that the Bible says that he's blessed you with all spiritual blessing, that you have everything. You, for, <laughs> you forget that you're favored. You know what happens when you're favored? Let me, let me show you what happens when you're favored, right? All of a sudden, right, you begin to expect better. You begin to believe that you're better. Now, let me clarify something here. Because for some of us, here's what we hear when I say that. Nicodemus, hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying, Nicodemus. When you hear favor, right, for some of us here, we go, oh, that's just being indignant. That's trying to act like you're better than anyone else. No, listen, you are better because God has favored you. And there is nothing wrong with you wearing that well. There's nothing wrong with you expecting to be at the head and not the tail. There's nothing wrong with you expecting to be above and not beneath. There's nothing with you expecting to be at the top because that's where God is. The scripture says that you're seated in heavenly places. You might as well just accept the package. You know what else comes with the package? Some freedom, right? Some freedom. Now, now fr what, what are you talking about? Listen, the Bible says this. Jesus said, and when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And so see, there's something that we have to know. We have to understand the truth. And when we understand the truth and we can apply it to our lives and we can rationalize it and understand it, here's what begins to happen. All of a sudden, those things that had you bound now begin to break off. 
All of a sudden, you begin to walk in freedom. All of a sudden, where addiction was an issue, now it's no longer an issue. Where habits held you back, now all of a sudden, you're walking free of them. Where mindsets once restricted you and limited you, now you're, you're walking independent of those things. No longer do you see yourself according to who you were or how you thought. Now you see yourself according to who God says you are and what his promises declare. And so look, there's a whole lot more in this package. There's a whole lot more in that package. But you can't just receive the package. You got to open it. You can't just sign for the package, right? Say, yes, that's me, little Christian. That's mine. That's true. No, 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 no. You got to take a hold of it and you got to do something with it, right? So God wants you and I to know what salvation provides. And the last thing as we close here is this. He wants you to know his promises. He wants you to know his promises. Now, I know for some of us that doesn't sound exciting. But I want you to consider 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And then I want to try and give an example that I feel will somehow bring this to life a little bit more. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life. So watch this. God has given you and I everything we need. Everything we need. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So there's something you and I need to know. Now watch what we need to know. Verse 4. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. His very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, God's divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So I have a check in my hand. Anyone interested in the check? Anyone interested in the check? Come, come on up here, Charles. He said his hand was the first one that shot up. How much does that say on there? Could you say that a little bit louder so everyone can hear you? You got to speak louder than that. So put your bass in your voice, man. A thousand dollars, right? All right. And, And that's today's date, right? And that's, what does that say? That's my signature, right? And it says gift, right? What's your name, sir? Charles, what's your last name? E. Got to make sure that the middle initials there. E. Uh huh. C O T T O N. Just want to make sure. The third. Charles E. Cotton the third. So, what did I just give you? I gave you a thousand dollars. Let me show you how a promise from God works. Show you a promise from God works. Ladies and gentlemen, all this is, this is, this is your check. Don't worry about it. I'm not taking it from you. Right? All this check is, is a promissory note. It is not $1,000 in cash. It's not $1,000 bills. It's not $1,001 bills. Right? However you want to slice it up. It's a promise. 
Charles takes this and here's what he concludes. I was just given $1,000. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Let me tell you why that's important. Because the scripture tells us that God gives us his promise. And by this promise, we begin to partake of his divine nature. That's his blessings. That's his word. That's the truth. That's our needs. Everything that comes with this salvation package. And so here's what Charles started doing when he received that check. Right? He's standing here all cool and collected. He's going, new pair of Jordans. Right? I'm going to get that game I've been wanting. Right? I'm going to put some gas in my car. Right? I'm going to get me another, another jumpsuit, another sweatsuit. Right? So watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Put up verse 4 again in First Peter. Put up verse 4, verse Peter, chapter 1. Watch what it says. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate. Listen, you know how God's promises work? You don't participate in them when you get there. You begin to participate when you believe you already have the thousand dollars. Thank you, Charles. I'm not asking back. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. You can have that. Now, as we close here, he's like, run, Charles, before he changes his mind. Now, listen closely. There are great and precious promises. Let's leave that verse up, please. There are great and precious promises that God has given you. for everything that pertains to life and everything that pertains to godliness, your walk with God. But here's the thing. God's saying, I don't want you to sit on the sideline anymore. I want you to participate. I want you to believe that my promises are greater than the promise that you put in people. The promise that you hope for from a job the promise that you hope for for what your desires tell you you need he says i want you to take hold of my promises listen if you cannot take a hold of the promises of god as yours and believe them here's what the scriptures show us you can't participate in god's divine nature do you see why your faith in god is so important Do you see the invitation? Are you recognizing that God is inviting you and I to step up, to step out and believe in his promises and participate? Let's stand here today. As we close out, I want you to realize that there's a lot that God wants you to know. It's the reason why he speaks. And today I just gave you four foundational, basic things. God wants you to know him personally. God wants you to know who you are in Christ. God wants you to know what this salvation that you've received gives you. 
And God wants you to know His promises. God's speaking, but it's your choice to hear Him, to know Him, to know who you are. If that's where you are today, man, and you're just sick and tired of just doing religion, or you're just sick and tired of doing life, or you just, or maybe you've been doing this for a long time, and you just find yourself kind of just grinding through it. Or maybe you're soaring in the things of God. Wherever you are, know this. There's something for each and every one of us. God's speaking because there's always something he wants you to know. There's wisdom for your marriage. There's resources to help you with what you're supposed to do at work. There's solutions that God is bringing to birth in your heart to touch the lives of people. There's something more that God wants to do. But it starts with you listening and understanding what he wants you to know. I want you to take a moment right here to get personal with God. I think that we can all agree that it's valid for each and every one of us to say this, God, I need to know you more. That's where you are. Say that to God right now. God, I need to know you more. There's more that I need to know, Lord. There's more, Lord. There's more. And now that you've placed that before him, here's what you got to understand, that you can't just acknowledge that you need more. You've got to ask. And so if you're right there right now, say, God, teach me. Show me more. Help me to know you personally. As we saw in Ephesians, the highest pinnacle that we could reach, the fullness of God is in knowing him understanding his divine nature. Father, I pray, open our understanding here. You know our hearts. You know our desires. Father, we want to hear your voice. We want to know you personally. We want to know who we are in Christ. We want to rightly divide the word of truth and understand the package of salvation that we've received. Lord, we want to know your promises and take a hold of them and believe with faith, taking a hold of the promise and receiving it. Today, Lord, we come to you and we say, that's what we desire, Lord. And now, Father, I thank you that because that's the desire of each and every person here and every person watching online, that, Lord, you freely give it to us because you do not withhold it from us, is what your scriptures say. If there's anyone here today and you've never known God personally, you've never been up close and personal, or maybe you've grown up in church and you're hearing something that you never knew, Maybe your mind and your heart is being expanded today and you're seeing something different. I want to encourage you to make a step that maybe you thought you did or maybe you thought you understood or maybe you've never done it at all. But it's to turn your life over completely to Jesus Christ. How does that happen? It's simply this. I believe that I need a Savior. I can't pay for this thing called sin. But God sent one that could. He came in the form of a man. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for the penalty of sin that was yours and mine to pay. And as a result, there is no issue of sin. There's no condemnation. If anything, we're free to participate in everything that God has for us. If you believe that today, I want to encourage you to join us in prayer as we close out here and declare this with us as we declare it with confidence. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. 
I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. And so from this day forward, I declare you're my Lord, my Savior and my God. And I'm trusting you. I'm following after you. And I'm heeding your voice. I want to know what you want me to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you prayed that, we're celebrating what God is doing in the lives of people. Don't leave here without telling us what God has done. Now, Father, we thank you for your word, which is true. We celebrate Jesus in our lives, and we take a hold of all your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.